every great dream begins with dreamers. Tom and Steve are strangers in a strange land. Join them on the journey from ignorance to knowledge, one book at a time, one chapter at a time. All aboard the Blunderground Railroad. Welcome back to Blunderground Studios. This is the Blunderground Railroad. My name is Tom, and my wingman. How you doing? Stephen Hot here. Woo! We are in chapter number nine. We are at the the ending throes of this great little novel here, Notes from Underground. Yeah, we are on chapter nine, like you said. Yeah, Dostoevsky, yeah. And I thought we were on chapter ten. Oops. Oh, whoops, yeah. Well... <laughs> You know it's those numbers, you know, like you know they're so close together. You know, I got the one, the nine, and it's then, the Roman numerals. You know, you just oh yeah, yep. Well, the, uh, I guess uh, the, the, even the Roman numerals are not that similar. The, the I thing didn't oh, yeah, stand I out. I just saw the X and I just went for it. Oh man, you went for chapter ten. Yep. Well, chapter ten is a pretty uh, pretty good chapter. So, uh, but we'll get to that next time though. Yeah. <laughs> this is uh, this chapter uh, again. Wow. Uh, so we have the this is a big showdown here, right? The, yeah, now we get to see how it played out. The underground man, yeah. The uh, so we have Lisa at the front door, and uh, this is going to be the underground man and Lisa, and uh, uh, quite a bit in this chapter, quite a bit of talking by the underground man here. Yeah, there's probably a lot of nervous energy there. I think so. Yeah, he doesn't know what to do because he's this is this is like even worse than when he tried to go out with the guys and that didn't go out how he planned. This is like his. Worst nightmare come true. Well, you know, it's really true. And the thing is, you know, there's a, it's funny because there is a difference there. Everything on this is so impromptu, right? Mm-hmm. Like the underground man. So he's sitting in his underground, sitting in the basement apartment, and he's thinking about um, about his friends, and he needs to see people, and he plans it all out, right? Like he's going to go see uh, his school butt friends, and he knows what he's going to talk about, and he, he kind of has a sense of what it will be like. Mm-hmm. And then he goes, and it doesn't turn out that way, which is fine with him because it allows him to spite and to you know be resentful, which is kind of all he knows. Yeah, and, you know. So it ends up coming out in this way that's kind of predicted. Well, with Lisa, see, he doesn't intend. You know, th- th- everything kind of goes wrong for him here because he he's sitting there, and and then all of a sudden he's pontificating from literature to her and he's working out like this uh this kind of play acting in his mind and all of a sudden she's it's real like she's crying and there are these real emotions and he can see that he's actually able to do what he threatened to do which is to manipulate her and to to control her and yet he feels bad so he he kind of does this thing you know he he does the thing he doesn't really want to do which is give her the address and then he realizes because he has no control in this situation, right? Mm-hmm. He's like, and so now, and and I think this probably drives him to get control over, uh, you know, over his servant, right? And then mm-hmm. he all this, and then he's spiteful towards him, and he keeps him back the money, and and all these things that happen. Yeah, and so he wants the power because he knows that with Lisa he has none because he can't predict if she's going to come, when she's going to come. He can't get a new sofa. He can't just buy a new place. You no, know? She, she's just out there a wild card waiting to wreck his day. Pretty much, you know. And then he can't, <laughs> right? And then that's something that is, it's beyond. And this is where it's so interesting because 
the way that the way that Dostoevsky unfolds it all in part number two, we can see all these parts from part number one that like there's this inability. He he's not prepared for this, right? Because it requires action and reaction. It requires real emotion, you know. Whereas it's just he's not prepared for this. He's he's just it's it's not happening. No, because his fake reactions don't fit the real actions that he sees because he's he's prepared to react to fake things that he's used to from books. Exactly. That's exactly like, right. Hey, this is not but this this isn't how it went. What am I supposed to do? Right. No, it's true. And you know, it's it's everything is if you and and I I actually did this. You'll see like there's a little I I wrote it down because mm-hmm. there's there's so many different ways that you can express what you just said, and you're right, learning it in books. For example, um, one thing I wrote down here is, um, like, honorable officers and non-honorable officers, right? Like, to the underground man, these officers have, like, this, there's, like, this sense of honor. Mm-hmm. It kind of relates to the dueling, mm-hmm. right? Like, when he, as soon as he finds out about Zerkov, it all becomes about duels. Yeah. And then he eventually even challenges, right? He challenges some people to a duel, Mm-hmm. And he's he's thinking like okay well you know I'm gonna duel and then I'm gonna shoot my gun up in the air right yeah you know like like who duels you know like the, dueling is not a thing I don't know he was in this is an 1800s book maybe he was reading earlier books than that I guess possibly but I don't even think that I mean I could be wrong and if somebody wants to challenge me on this I'm open to it but I don't think that dueling was a real thing in you know Petersburg back in 1840 or 1850 oh yeah it's not the Wild West. Yeah, right. I mean, so, you know, I don't think, but not even the gentlemanly dueling. Like, I mean, this is not like, you know, Hamilton. Did, did they do it like with jousting maybe? I don't know. I mean, no, Hamilton and Aaron Burr. I mean, oh. they, you know, they, they kind of had a, they had the, the, the duel. But, you know, there's like, <laughs> there's so much that, that is different. Like, in part number one, right? In part number one, the underground man, he's like, he's able to conceive, like his life is full of like, like all this abstract beauty, you know, like he's, he's constantly struggling with this beauty that he sees and he wants like, you know, glass palaces and chicken coops. And he talks about the lofty and the beautiful, but then his actual life, like there's nothing like that. his actual life. He's pretty much ignored. Well, he's convinced that the places that he likes out of those books don't, doesn't, those places don't really exist. Uh, I'm guessing he sees that when he goes mm. out at 7 p.m. every night, and yeah, um, right. Well, I, and he does that for predictable, for for predictability. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and I almost, yeah, I say that through my own knowledge of how I do things. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't like interacting with the world in ways when I don't know how they're gonna uh, react. I don't know, maybe. It makes me feel kind of alone on that one. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I see. I do. I, I'm kind of like him. I see everybody else interacting with the world around me, and uh, change is not something I'm okay with. Yeah, you know. Tell Mm-mm. me a little bit. Tell me a little bit more about that. I mean, I'm sure I quite understand. Uh, well, I don't know. I used to before I was in the military. I was fine. Like with, um, I'd go out, and I didn't have. I didn't need to have a plan. Um, things could come up during wherever I was and we could change where we were going on the fly and it didn't bother me. Yeah. Now, if I'm going somewhere, why am I going? What am I doing? Right. What should I expect? I mean, what temperature is it going to be? Right. What do they have there to drink? <laughs> you know? And right. then, um, I, I just, I don't, 
I don't like interacting with society at large. It's um, it's largely become a disgusting place to me. Uh, with it's filled with rude people, mm. <laughs> who right. have seemingly no common sense. Yeah. Um, so I just I, I, every time I go out, I I end up shaking my head at somebody. I'm like, I have to just brush it off. And I'm like, you know what? I can avoid problems if I just don't go out in society. Yeah. So I identify with him a lot. I mean, it's kind of it's kind of embarrassing to say so, but right. but I do. I mean. I don't read a lot of books like he does. That's not something I do. Mm. But I I see where he's coming from. Um yeah. and I I can see why he has a lack of ability to interact with people because he has a preconceived notion that is false of how real people are, how society functions. Exactly. And exactly. So he gets into conversations of how he thinks he's supposed to act. Right. And then they react totally different to anything he's ever even heard in his life. Well, it really comes down to, like, we mention this every time, but it's the man of consciousness and the man of action, right? Like, the underground man has this sensitivity to consciousness where he is cost, he's aware of that every decision begets other decisions. He's aware of the ripples in the water. Like, when yeah. an action happens, he when an action happens, he... He can see the ripples, and he knows that there's going to be consequences for consequences. And so he's constantly gripped by this question of what to do and how to act. Uh, whereas in the real world, we see, you know, we can see things are based on, on realism, on action, right? I mean, stuff happens. Um, you know, it's a, um, you know, a, Eventually, someone splatters paint on the wall. Someone swings a hammer. You know, uh, someone turns a key on a car. You know, uh, someone makes the purchase. So things are happening all the time mm-hmm. uh, in the real world. And you're right. It's interesting how dra- withdrawing from the real world, in a way, is this similar to what the underground man does in the sense that he is trying to always take power over others. You know, like the way if when he is in the world, he's always trying to exercise power over other people when he's not withdrawn from the world. So both both ways are kind of a way of absolute. They're both they're both on one side of an extreme or the other side of an extreme. Yeah, and he's he seems to be on on both. I am definitely not on the I need power over people side. Right. That that part I don't really understand other than he needs to be validated, which we talked about in another podcast. I think we were talking about uh like youth these days, um, why they fall into such either really bad things or just mm. uh categories that are just really strange and different. Um and it's because they don't know where to identify anymore because of the broken homes and we talked about this well we did we did talk about it and i mean really you can see it in this chapter because the underground man has a deep set fear of being ridiculed yeah right i mean he does i mean think about the all right this overall chapter i mean we've all read it right so um he he literally defends his poverty to a prostitute Okay, I mean, right, I'll say it, all right? <laughs> yeah, he I says mean, it's honorable. Yeah, no, he does. I mean, he does. I mean, he says, I mean, he's basically saying, hey, you, you know, what are you, a prostitute? Sit your butt down, and I'm going to tell you why all this poverty is a great, is honorable, you know, and all this. And then, 
you know, he's, he's so he's defending himself. And so he's defending. And so what kind of person does that? Right. I mean, so if you have, you know, you have a prostitute that walks into your home and, and then your sofa has some stuffing that's sticking out of it. I mean, who's going to worry about, I mean, right. I mean, are you, he's worried about being lectured. I, I don't know what he's worried about. Well, it is an American leather sofa, at least. I do remember that. It is. <laughs> I, don't, I don't mean to throw you off your thought there. Just, was, uh, just, yeah. just random. At least it was an American leather sofa. Right, right. There you go. Right, right, right. right, right. There you go, right. The, um, oh, I doubt that, though. It had a hole in it. This is quality stuff. It, it should have right. never had a hole in it. That's right. That's right. <laughs> the, you know, it, it's just, it's everything. It's not only the 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 difference between living in a romanticized, idealistic literature-based world versus the real world. The underground man and Lisa also, they exemplify both of those worlds, right? Like, the underground man is extremely intelligent, all right? And yet, he cannot make a decision, right? And so, everything about Lisa is very, even though Lisa's not a man, she's very much, it's very much action-based. Like, she's very, she's very simple, She's very compassionate, and she's very perceptive, mm-hmm. right? You know, she's very perceptive. So Lisa becomes perceptive about the decisions that people make. The underground man is perceptive about the decisions that people could make. Hmm. Now, I, I think to some extent, every single person, though, um, is aware Maybe to a, to a larger extent than we're giving them credit for, mm. um, even the the man of action, right? I think I think maybe we downplay their consciousness um, a little bit because I think uh, even I've I've come to find this out. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of people that I'm, I just I've categorized as like you are an idiot. <laughs> huh. You know, I'll end up talking to that person and I'm like, hmm, I had a lot more insight than I thought they would have. Yeah. Then, then they outwardly show. Oh, with yeah. Their yeah. actions. Sure. They act like a gorilla, and they think like an African gray parrot. <laughs> it's like I don't understand. Right. You know. Yeah. Um. So I, th- I think that to, to a larger extent, that people are, t- that people tend to be smarter than what uh, their actions lend them credit for. Yeah, I think, uh, and that's, uh, th- yeah, I, I, I mean, I think that's true. I, I think that part of that, part of that is um. Part of that's compassion, you know. Part of that is that uh, to act, you know, to act on compassion, and to be compassionate is a profound thing because you overthink it, right? The underground man is an overthinker. He he's extremely intelligent, but yet he's bankrupt when it comes to making to to, to making it real in the real world. Um, you know, one of the striking things about Lisa is how she's able to. She basically she can see that the underground man is hurting, right? And so she basically, she, the underground man opened her eyes, okay? So she she doesn't, she's not as intelligent as the underground man. So she didn't necessarily see what her future held. But the underground man helped her to be able to, uh, helped her to be able to see that. And so for her to reciprocate that, is for her to go to the underground man and to basically help him in the same way, right? To help him to see his weakness, to help him, you know, to say that you're weak and to help him, 
right when she grabs his hands you know when he yeah. and he's weeping right. and then she sits with him right right, right when he's weeping and, and then when he he has his outburst she's not judging him right like the underground man everything is judgment right on the one hand it's judgment on the other one hand it's domination i will be judged by those above me and i will dominate those below me Mm -hmm. right i mean you were talking about it before you talked about in the modern age like young people right Mm -hmm. and that's it we were actually before the show before we were recording uh you know uh, we were having a, a a discussion about um about gender roles in modern in the modern times mm. you know when you are unsure right so these young people today right i mean young people today how do you succeed in being a young man how do you succeed in being a young lady what are the quantifiable things that you need to do that you need to set your mind to right well i would think that one thing about living in a modern age is most people don't want to be judged by others. And they also see, they see that some people have power over others. And they yep. see that some, the ones that with power judge the ones that don't have power. And so that's the nature of our modern life, of our life. So these things are very, I would say that they're very common in the modern experience of people who want to dominate others because they have a fear of being judged or they have a fear of being found out. And that comes from this inability to have this standard where we're all judged, where we're all going. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like we were talking about like with males. I mean, male, um, the formation of a male identity is performative. And it's performative in a, it's performative in a, um, a public way. Right in a public way. Uh, one of the things that's very interesting about that is the uh, decline in um, the decline in gender segregation. I mean, boys with boys, girls with girls. Right. Yeah. I mean, these days it's not politically correct to do that. So they want to synergize and have as many boys with girls, as many girls with boys from an early age, and everything is together. Everything's always together. And so it's very difficult for for a group of boys who have a strong sense that they need to prove themselves in a performative way. And they, they're not even allowed to do this in an environment with other boys. I mean, that, like that, and that's hard enough. I mean, it was hard enough for me when I had to do it, and it's hard enough for you, I'm sure, and everybody. I mean, it, hey, listen, it's not easy to do. But now these young boys got to learn. They got to do it. And now they got to do it with a room full of girls who have no idea of what's going on. And then they got a teacher or an adult who also has no idea and is telling them that it's all wrong. And so then we wonder why, why, why things are the way that they are. Yeah, but I'll tell you what. I'd like to be on a team with, you know, mm. half girls and half boys, like basketball. Oh, yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, man. Like three out of five people on another team, I would dominate. Right. I'd score 25 points a game if I was in school these days. Oh, right. Yes, yeah, in school <laughs> these days. Right. Sure, sure. Yeah, no, I know. And, I mean, that's a, it's a whole nother, yeah, the sports and then male. Everything's female. watered down. Everything, Everything is yeah. watered down. What, yeah. what we've done is we've tried to create that utopia. We we got to such a good place in society so quickly right. that now it was the fix it till it's broken. With I mean, that's what they've been doing. Mm-hmm. It Our leadership... Because every time somebody needs to get into a place of uh, or wants to be in a, a place of power, well, they have to come up with another idea that that person that's in that position mm. hasn't already thought of or tried to do. Yeah. Well, you're eventually going to fix it until it's broken. 
you're going to run out of good ideas. You're going to reach the point of negative returns. Right, yeah. And that happened probably a couple decades ago. Probably, yeah. You know, (laughs) know? it's it's interesting. All the things that, all the ideas that are all out of, out of style, they all come back into style again. You know, it is and a big circle. It really is. It's a big circle. Yep. And it's one of the. It, it's for me. It's bittersweet as Generation X. I'm Generation X myself. And looking at at the young people, looking at the the the. I think it's Generation Z. Gen, looking at Generation Z as they come up out of as they mature and they come into being a, a young person, they. Discuss and I I saw this uh, on Twitter today. I was I, I was looking at a tweet thread today uh, by a young lady and uh, no one of notoriety, but it was shocking for me to read what she was writing. And she was writing how all of her friends and all of her social groups and all of of these young twenty something groups really were basically trying to figure out how to incorporate voluntary decisions into their lives. What? That were no, that were based on that were based on you know that were based on rejection of hookup culture, embracement of traditionalism. They want you know they don't have a connection to and so they're not. It's not biblical and they're not connecting it to the Bible, which is unfortunate. But right, they they have a thirst. They're saying you know as I get into my twenties. I really want to find a productive way that I can reject all this rot and bring all this light into my life. And that's what they want. And so yeah. they want to do this in like a voluntary way. And so they're kind of like, well, I just have this sense that, you know, what I can't have is what I want. And so, you know, I, I don't know anybody who grew up in, you know, all my friends grew up in broken homes. So now that circle. I, yeah. And then they say, well, I'd like to be able to do it in a traditional way, you know? Mm-hmm. And then you, as someone who's older in generation X, I grew up with people and then looking back and you see those people, you know, those were the, the hippies and the people that uh, tore all that down and they wanted that all destroyed. And so then, you know, it's their grandchildren and their great grandchildren who who now reject that and want to pick up something else. Yeah. No, it's uh, kind of like I, I look back and I'm like, oh, man, like tell my grandmother like you got to grow up like in the 60s and stuff like oh yeah like that was like my grandmother's like i think she was in her her early 20s yeah i'm like that must have been awesome you know you had all like the cool muscle cars back then that were like you know you could work two weeks and pay for one or something oh right yeah yeah <laughs> you know or something sure. now but um yeah i'm like man that must have been so neat it's kind of, it's almost like a like a ferris wheel you know mm-hmm. like i hope i get to live during the time when i get to the top of the ride i get to see that and i'm not 80 by the time i get up there you know right 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 oh yeah and just i'm gonna go off on a tangent here because you, you mentioned like the the alphabet generations when did that start like do we like generation k or do we do we know like who that was hey right no or generation I, l no um, i don't really know no i love <laughs> i love the generation are we going so. to are we going to a that's what i'm wondering are we going to a no we're kind of running out of names i mean they had the millennials and then they have generation z are we going to a will we go to a probably not you know what we're going to do does it work like hurricane names um <laughs> it would be kind of neat if it did you know it'd be kind of cool uh, you could have like we should eventually we're gonna have like Generation Oopa Loopa like that's not good you know someone's gonna end up with that name <laughs> the um so yeah I know I know I guess it's out of favor now and people every time you mention something like that there's all a bunch sorts of voices that say uh, oh no no not this or not that but I kind of like it myself um you know it's it's a uh, uh I'm offended if somebody tells me I'm in like Generation Y or something I mean you probably kind of are. Stop. See, that's what I'm saying. No, I'm not. Well, you were born in... 84. Uh, yeah. Oh, no, no, no. You might... Uh, 
Everyone always tells me, I'm like, well, I don't know if you're on well, the edge or not. Yeah, no. I, I always figure for me as if you remember the time without the internet. You know, I, I remember live. I remember time without the internet. Oh, I Yeah, I very vividly remember time without the internet. All right, yeah. And I remember dial-up AOL, right? AOL yeah, oh, instant yeah. messaging. Oh, sure. And I was like, oh, I'm going to hook up with some girls from the area. Not oh, oh, see, no, see, I was long since married by the time I figured out you could use computers to hook up with girls. So I mean, uh, you're yeah. you're way ahead of me. You're, you got came. me, you got me beat by a country mile. Internet came along at the wrong time in my life. Oh, see, that's right. <laughs> see, there you go. That's why it all went wrong, right? See, that's where it all went wrong. AOL messed me up. Yep, now we know. <laughs> that's right. Now we know. All yeah. three people on there. All three people. That's right. I used to have to drive 30 miles cause to, to get to somebody's house that I knew that had that, by the way. Pay to get in chat rooms, too, huh? Uh, I, I, I'm sure she had an internet bill. I don't remember. No, I just don't. Not sure, huh? <laughs> Man. There's different rooms. You, never mind. Okay. Next. <laughs> so we were talking about Lisa, I think, and you kind of her simple, honest, it's very much a, a, a kind of an emotive response, right? Where, like, the underground man has this massive intellect, but he also has this massive ego, you know? I mean, he has this huge ego, you know? Like, he hams it up. He think he talks about this in the chapter, you know? Yeah. How he's like, everything is always hammed up. Um, and one of the things I thought that was, um, I thought was uh, pretty profound, and I went back, because going back into the first chapter, right? And this is uh, uh, something that we'll, um, we'll talk about a little bit was really an experience and if you have the opportunity and you take the time go back and read from chapter one after finishing the book because chapter one chapter one tells you about the mind of the man and then chat and then part two shows you what that mind produces in real life however the events of part two happen before part one so you're able to see the results of the action it's like a big circle it's, it's, like, it's like the movie fight club <laughs> this, is, this, this is the same thing alright this is one of my blind spots here you know because I, I do it now listen I do pride myself on I do pride myself on occasionally shocking people with my, my pop culture references you have no idea what I'm talking about with Fight Club you know no and I, I had a friend one time okay so, well I had a friend one time that has a pretty uh, that doesn't sound very good but the um, so I had a friend uh, one of my great friends and um, you probably don't have him anymore because you don't know about Fight Club probably not <laughs> The, and so he got the first, he got the real brunt because he would talk about Fight Club, and then truthfully, I would say to him, "Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about," because I didn't, and I still because I didn't, and so I'd say, oh, "I don't know what you're talking about." And then you know you get to be the brunt of jokes and all this. And so one day we were one day we were hanging out, and so um and we were talking, and he says to me, he says, "You don't really know what Fight Club is," and I says, "No, I mean I don't know why I'd lie to you. You know, like you asked me a thousand times, I'm gonna have the same answer. I don't know what Fight Club is." So I didn't know. Uh, and so anyways, he did his best to kind of inform me and kind of get me there. Um, and so I do have a knowledge now, and I would call it a type of knowledge since I've not seen the film. <laughs> you have knowledge of the thing. Yeah, so I have not. Right, I do. Yeah, I have knowledge of the thing, but I, I don't really have any real, I mean, it's knowledge of oh, it, man. not the thing itself. It's, it's, uh, it's just like this book. Oh, is that right? Oh, where, is that right? Yeah, where you, you go, I have to go back to the beginning now and watch it because I'm going to view it in a whole 
different way. Yeah. Right. And there might be one person out there who's listening to this that hasn't seen Fight Club. Right. Sure. I mean, other, so I mean other other than me. You yeah. Mean? Yeah. Pretty right. much. Oh, other than, other than the person currently listening to this recording. Right. <laughs> right. Which is you. Right. That's right. Like, no doubt. Me. You and that person can buddy up and watch it. But everybody else knows exactly what I'm talking about. I, I might. I need you to. You made me read this book. I'm making you watch Fight Club. All right. I, I, I probably will. There you go. We'll have to do that. So if you would like to see uh, if you'd like to see Steve and I, um, <laughs> if you'd like to see us live stream watching a Fight Club, then uh, this would be uh, it. Well, if you think that you're the kind of glutton for punishment and you actually would like to see this, write us in, and, uh, and you know we'll think about it. And uh, well, this is Dave, David Fincher, man. I mean, that's that is a heavy load right there. How did you expect? I mean, I'm not gonna remember that. I just remember the storyline. Yeah, but but you know, also, how many Quentin Tarantino films have you seen? I mean, it's very um, probably a lot of them. Well, probably. I just it, knew he was famous for doing them backwards. Well, oh yeah, but uh, well, that and a lot of other different. Well, I mean, I guess I don't know. There are little, there's there's jokes about this. Oh, there is about. What about Quentin Tarantino directing Fight Club? No, about him directing stuff backwards. Oh, so I was just making an assumption. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's David Fincher, which is not a uh, not a big surprise there, but uh, it does it does make it interesting. I've literally never heard the guy's name. What David Fincher? Mm-hmm. Ever. So I've never heard of Fight Club, and you've never heard of David Fincher. Maybe we really do need to live stream this, this you know, this because should... then uh, you can get the, you know, you get the David Fincher angle, and then you get like the Fight Club angle. Everybody who's seen Fight Club has pretty never good. heard of David Fincher, and everybody who's heard of David Fincher has never seen Fight Club. Maybe you know, this I will be a pretty good reason for this. I will put pretty good money on that one. Well, <laughs> that, maybe that, that's a pretty good stereotype. Wow, man, right yeah, you yeah, man, yikes. Okay, yeah, David Fincher. So yeah, my friend, my friend was like you. I mean, obviously <clears> this <throat> film has affected a lot of people, you know, in, in terms of. <laughs> Uh, so I mean, obviously, um, but uh, but we'll have to check that out. It's pretty interesting stuff. Oh man. Oh man. Yeah. Okay. So the uh, all right. So uh, I wanted to I'll go back into part number one, and one of the reasons why was because there was a quote that really struck me. All right, and because uh, the underground man, the way that he's he intense emotions. They affect us because they can change us and they expose us, right? Like, there was a moment in this chapter, right, when the underground man, I mean, he's so upset at Lisa. I mean, he talks about murdering her, you know, and he's, he's like, he's like, I could kill her, you know? Yep. And, you know, and yet at the same time, it's really not due to negative emotion as much as it's due to strong emotion. And so there's just this wonderful little section here uh, in uh, chapter number one, and I want to read it for you here. He says, I did not know how to become anything, neither spiteful nor kind, neither a rascal nor an honest man, neither a hero nor an insect. Now I am living out my life in my corner, taunting myself with the spiteful and useless consolation that an intelligent man cannot become anything seriously. And it is only the fool who becomes anything. Why'd that part speak to you? Well, you know, it's just because the underground man here has a chance. He has a chance. Because, like, you have to ask yourself the question, at least I do, right? Like, why doesn't the underground man become, right? Like, w- w- there is a process of becoming in this chapter. There's the regret, okay? When Lisa comes in, he has a regret over his actions, and yet, and that regret leads is is a portal. It's like a portal. It's like a door. You know, he can walk through the regret, 
and into being something. He can say, he can say, um, you know, he can show Lisa, he can say, Lisa, I regret the situation. And then he can become something authentic. Now, what would he become? I don't know, but at least it would be authentic. Right. Right. Like this is, and it's a point that you made. You made this a couple, I, th- I forget whether it's in the last podcast or it was two podcasts ago, but you made the point where, where you had said, you said, it's not worth it not to be authentic with people. And, you know, the thing is, is yeah. it, if you're authentic with 10 people and only one person accepts it, well, then at least you have something real, you know? Yep. I mean, at least, I mean, you may have lost nine friends, but at least the one friend that you have is something authentic. In you the lost world. nine causes of stress. Or, yeah, all right, so, <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, uh, I'm just trying to, like, help people out here that maybe have, you know, all, all you people with 5,000 Facebook friends, seriously, <laughs> come out from the underground, man. Man. Just, just be yourself. You'll find out you actually like two of them. I don't yeah. understand, like, I don't have time for I tell I tell this to people all the right. time. Right. I barely have time for the people I like. Right. I'm not gonna pretend to like somebody. Right. Sure. Like, and if I have to pretend to like them, chances are they probably have to pretend to like me. Oh yeah. I'm just gonna do us a favor and not waste each other's time. Right. <laughs> like, I'm just gonna be real. Like, hey, hey, you're not my cup of tea. I'm not hanging out with you. Huh. Like, uh, does that offend you? It shouldn't. Like, because I'm I'm not your cup of tea, and I'm not offended. Like if you yeah. want to be offended, that's that's your own problem being offended. Right, sure. I don't, I don't know why people do that. You know, it's it's one of those where the underground man here, he doesn't know how to live outside of this world that he's created, romantic literature, right? Like the underground man takes duels seriously, right? Like he 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 sits around and he goes, "Well, you know, you and I are going to have a duel tomorrow. Morning. I'm going to challenge you to a duel, and then one of us is going to end our life, right? Like, he makes these... These are not fanciful observations for the underground man. Um, he, you know, he... Everything is... like his. He has this abstract love for, uh, you know, for, for, for greatness. Like, in the chapter, he talks about standing over um, the... Uh, you know, he's standing over the servant, right? And he talks about, uh, like, Napoleon, right? He says, I stood over him for three minutes, a la Napoleon, you know? like so. Yeah, and that guy didn't care. He was sewing. Yeah, and he's just sewing <laughs> a button. And yet, you know, the underground man has to frame it like Napoleon, okay? He can't frame it in a real way. He can't even make a real decision. So it comes back to this chapter. He has so many chances to become something, right? Like, when he, when he, um, when he, uh, when he uh, he's talking to Lisa and then he breaks down, right? And so Lisa has an opportunity. She she's there to support him. Uh, she he has given her an opportunity to look into her future. Yeah. And now she wants to just return the favor. And so the underground man has an opportunity to accept this simple act. Yeah. A simple gentle act. Because everything the underground man is not right. The underground man is not simple, all right? Like, not even a little bit. Yeah, I think he's, we know that. He's not gentle, right? <laughs> I mean, he's, he's hitting people. You know, he, he he pays people and then treats them poorly. <laughs> he's not gentle. And he he's not, he's not, he's not simple. He's not gentle. He's not kind. And, and so he's not, he doesn't have this um, ability uh, to just act and to take the simple act and turn it into something real because the real things in life are simple, you know. 
I keep wondering where this guy's family is at. Like, do you have a a, a parent that's alive, maybe still a, an uncle, an aunt, a sibling? Does no one check on this dude? Well, see, here's the thing, though. You know, I, I take this stuff way too literally when I read it. No, but you know, <laughs> the thing is, you kind of can because remember, there's, there's an this is about an urban environment, and I'm going to challenge people. I mean, right? When was the last? Do you have siblings? Do you have parents? When was the last time you talked to your parents? When was the last time you talked to your siblings? And I'm as guilty as anybody. I live four houses away from my brother. See, that's a pretty great thing. But I would say, <laughs> no, I would say that's a pretty great thing. And that's a special thing, right? And so a simple visit from your brother can change a day, make a day go from bad to good, right? Yeah, it usually makes my truck go from broken to fixed. <laughs> All right, which makes your day go from bad to good, right? <laughs> yeah. So for the underground man, this would be a quality experience for you. But for the underground man, a quality experience might be reading a book, Mm-hmm. quantifying the key points of the book, overthinking and abstractly applying all the points in the book, creating a narrative where you know he gets to view the world and be the hero through the book, and then um, having to channel all of his spite and frustration and fear of being exposed and fear of ridicule and he needs to sh- shove that all through that experience i mean it's exhausting well he feels that like deep love or whatever whenever he's in in thought and thinking about that stuff remember he does yeah yeah he really does he feels like that's like, where his good emotions come from that's what i'm saying like does nobody stop by and see this dude like i feel like this is the type of guy that red flag laws were made for the red, i'm not uh, even for gun control at all. Like, right I'm, right i couldn't be more opposite yeah yeah but, but you, i mean you know jokingly what? like this this is the guy you right yeah, and you don't want it. You don't want him with the gun, do you? I mean, it scared me hypothetically when he was talking about bullets earlier in the book. Oh yeah, 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 right. That's oh, right. Oh, here we go. That's right. He was. That's right. He was. Lisa offers him this simple act, this simple act of kindness, and so for the underground man, he has an opportunity to take advantage of this, but he doesn't, and so he doesn't. He can't become, and you ask yourself the question because you've gotten frustrated with him. Like, why doesn't he just do this? Why doesn't he? Why doesn't he become transparent? Because we can see at the end of the book, this all this all comes to a culmination, right? Mm-hmm. At the end of the chapter, I mean, they embrace, right? Mm. So there's that's pretty real, right? Mm-hmm. So, but here, the underground man says, "I did not know how to become anything." All right, I did yep. not n- neither spiteful nor kind, right? Yeah. So he alternates, right? And and that's the key. Like once you see it, it's hard to unsee it, right? So the underground man becomes he says I knew I could not become neither spiteful nor kind, neither a rascal nor an honest man, right? So at this point in time, he becomes an honest man, okay? Cuz he's honest with his outburst. Mm-hmm. All right? And then he speaks, uh, and, and he, he's kind of kind. He, he's exposing himself to her, and he he has this weakness that he shows to her. Yeah. And so he ends up going to the one side of that equation, right? But just like in the future chapters, all right, where he talks about um, he talks about the, the, the first cause and the second cause and the man of action, right? He, the underground man cannot commit to an action he cannot make a decision and and part of it is his morality he's morally bankrupt all right part of it is his understanding 
and we'll see this in the next chapter, right? In chapter number 10, he's going to talk about his conception of love. And that is going to be one of the areas where the, all this kind of comes together. Yeah, culminates. Right, it all kind of culminates where he talks about uh, his, 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 his view of love. Mm-hmm. But the underground man gets to there and he says, I'm, I'm being kind. I'm being truthful. I am being uh, an honest man. But then he starts to overthink it. What are the benefits of being an honest man? What will this get me? Am I being taken advantage of? Is this the proper Western European way of doing things? Is this uh, is this simply me projecting onto me being found out by someone else? And he asks all these questions. Well, by the time that these questions start to settle in his mind, he's already decided, I don't need to be here. I need to be over there. Yeah. You know. And so then he moves over. And so he goes from being the honest man who's kind. By the end of the chapter, he is now more the rascal than the honest man. And he is now more the spiteful man than the kind man. Mm-hmm. And so eventually he will withdraw back into the abstract love of man where he'll move over to the other center. Well, he goes back to his comfort zone. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Well, in, in the middle there, after he has his little tantrum, um, when he's asking for water, he uh, you see like yes. that moment of, like that's an out loud moment of, moment of weakness rather than where before we've seen him write about a moment of, uh, weakness and then he rejects it in his head you know and that all takes place in his head this one takes right. place out loud you know yeah but yeah yeah do you have that there can you read that section yeah, yeah 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 well she's asking you know what's the matter what's the matter right and uh he says water give me water over there right goes, that's right yeah he goes i muttered in a faint voice though i was inwardly conscious that i could have got on very well without water and without muttering in a faint voice but, but, he, he but can't then do it. the next part is, but I was what is called putting it on to save appearances, though the attack was a genuine one. So he was like playing it up. Yes. To try to, to, to try to make it look like he had a need to be very vulnerable, like he wasn't super, super weak for no reason, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, he doesn't even see it. He doesn't know, you know? He doesn't. And then he's wondering what effect that had because he, he asked Lisa, do you despise me? Like That's immediately right. after, that, yeah, you you're know? right. Yeah, you're right. Because yeah. he wants to know the effect. Because it all comes down to power, you know. He wants to know where he stands. Yep. Which direction we need to go. Right. That's all it was. It was. It was a power check. Oh yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. Yeah. You despise me, right? He needs to know where to take this, right? Where yep. to manipulate it all. Yeah. If you don't despise me yet, okay, good. I'm still in a good position. You know. Right. Yeah. Yep. yep. Yeah, because he knows he has the power. Because he already knows he can. He has the power to manipulate her emotions. Mm-hmm. So if she doesn't despise him, then he can. He can. He can establish a power to make her despise him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. It really something. Yeah. You know, it's a real. It's a real fear of showing weakness. I mean, it's a fear of. It's a, a fear of showing weakness. You know, in a world where people don't have a conception of original sin, is it harder to show weakness? Do you think? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think in a larger sense, in a world where people don't accept the fact that there's a God, um, hmm. the only standard they have to go off of is the ones that society has created. And, well, right now you don't become rich and popular by being weak. You hmm. become that by giving off a very strong appearance. Even if you're a weak character in some sort of movie um you are still 
popular, you're still known as like, oh, okay, well, that person is just a character mm. that's playing that. That's still a very popular person. They walk the red carpet. People take pictures of them. Right. So um, if you're not ever thinking that you're going to answer to a higher power, then the highest powers you have are the ones you see. That's who you idolize. Um, but if you know that there's a God and you know a little bit about the Bible, at least um, you know that anything you do is going to be uncovered at some point someday. Mm. Nothing will be hidden ever. So I don't know. For me, it's like, eh, might as well start getting used to the shame now. Who cares? We all make mistakes and, you know. Right. We're, we're all um, brothers. None of us is, it's, I mean, that, that whole, you know, everybody puts their pants on the same way is, it's literally taught in the Bible, you know. Mm. It, it None of us is above uh, each other, you know. But it's all, it's all, all it's all played out, though, in the real community. It's all played out in, um, it's all played out in a real community. It's all played out in, you can see how other people fail, and you can see how they overcome their failures. Uh, you get to know people, uh, and then you can, you can do that. I, I see everywhere, everything is so online, and everything is so abstracted, and everything, nothing takes place in a real physical world. That's the problem. Yeah. We're yeah. so disconnected from one another. It's, <clears throat> we mentioned this a long time ago. It was, uh, yeah, we were talking about, we're talking about time, uh, and, and you were saying it, that, you know, in the cities. Yeah. Everybody has money. Yeah. They don't have time. In rural environments, everybody has time, but they don't have money. Yeah. You know, that's the point you made earlier that has that affects our society a lot. Yeah. No, it really does. It really does. And we were talking too, even before the podcast, we were having that conversation about, you know, modernity uh, as far all the money needs a place to go, right? You know, like it's kind of like a it's it's kind of like baseball, you know, like when baseball went on strike, you know, like a lot of people don't realize like the players just figured out the money. I mean, they just, the players eventually looked at the money and they said, wait a minute. They're like, there's so much money in this sport. Like, why isn't any of it reaching us? And they thought, well, you know, shoot, if you're going to have trillions of dollars sitting around doing nothing, it, we might as well soak some of this up for us, right? Because there's just no, I mean, who's, what else are they going to do? Give it all to the owners, right? So it's this very similar thing in our modern society. We have this massive economy and yet at the same time, technology has made so many things obsolete or cheap sometimes cheap to the point of free right yeah you know to you free can't give it away yeah. yeah like you got stuff that people need to survive and you can't even give it away and it's just i mean you know you talk to a poor person from ecuador you know or venezuela they you know they don't look at rich americans and poor americans to so them every single american alive All of us. yeah they'll say well americans are rich every single one of them is rich you yeah. know like who cares if one's got a boat and the other doesn't i mean right they're all rich yeah and so the and so you have all this money and this massive economy that floats around everywhere. And so it's all got to go somewhere. And so then we were talking about this before, how people brand and then things get branded and then things get monetized. Like we monetize things because we can. I mean, there's all this money. You're going to have to spend it somewhere. I mean, right? People are going to have money in their pocket. They're going to say, well, I got to, you know, uh, uh, they'll monetize their interest. All the money's going to flow somewhere. So, you know, people do that. People say, well, you know, if, 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 if someone has a thousand dollars and they only need to spend three hundred and fifty dollars to live, well then that six hundred and fifty dollars is gonna end up somewhere, you know, and why should it be in a banker? Why shouldn't it be with me? So people brand themselves and then everything comes about 
everything comes from like soaking up all this ab all this excess leisure you know like all this all this leisure and then when people get it they don't they don't even know how to they don't know what to do with it yeah you know i saw this morning i think it was a couple hours ago maybe it was a, a i saw a, a post somebody somebody put out a post it was an anonymous post and they said to themselves they said I'm 35 years old and I am a multimillionaire because of uh, because of cryptocurrency. So this person they they and they they're anonymous and they said they said I want to be anonymous. They said here's my problem. They said I'm 35 years old. I've been working with cryptocurrency for a, for a while and they said my ship just came in and now I'm I now I'm worth like 2 million dollars, you know. And they said I'm 35 years old. I have a wife and I don't know what to do. Right. So, you know, like, and then you say, wait a minute, like, okay, you're 35 years old, you have a wife and you don't know what to do and you got $2 million and you're pretty, you're pretty upset about it. Right. Like the the whole concept, like there was never any purpose to this person's pursuit of cryptocurrency or of wealth or anything. Like the whole point was to soak up like all that, like, oh, cryptocurrency, there's all this wealth to be soaked up and there's all this ability to be soaked up. And he soaks up about $2 million worth of it. And now that he's got it in his hands, he's not really sure what to do with any of it to the point where he's got to go out and ask people like, what do I do with all this ability? Right? Mm. Yeah. Like, you know, a- I was reading this morning about... um the second richest man in the world. He apparently sold his private jet. That's been a thing where people track private jets of yes, billionaires. Yes, I've seen it, yeah. yeah. I've so, seen it. So he's uh, number three is, is Jeff Bezos, but number number two is this guy that's the owner of like Louis Vuitton and them. Okay, sure. Like $133 billion. Is that right? That's wait, a lot of purses, man. Wait, is that like a is that like Fight Club? What? No, like wait, Louis Vuitton. L- Louis Vuitton. Like, like, like the the handbags, the expensive handbags, like Wait, coach purses. They have handbags in Fight Club. Oh my goodness! Wait, oh sorry. No, you're killing me, bro. Oh, and I'm sorry. <laughs> Wait, are we talking about a person here or? Um, I don't remember the guy's name. Sec- Wait, second richest man in the world. Wait, people that sell handbags are like the second richest people in the world. It's a brand that he owns. Oh wow! And... Wait, people don't order these handbags off Amazon. <sighs> no, believe it or not. Oh, okay. No, I won't tell your wife. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> See how much he's worth? These bags ain't cheap. Is that right now? Wait, I, like, no, because the handbags that Rod Stewart used to sing about, those were cheap ones. Like, those ones weren't expensive. <laughs> this this ain't uh, Rod Stewart's handbag. Oh, no, oh, no, this is not. This is oh, no. No, oh, this is different. Okay. Fancy. I'm pretty separated from this whole this, handbag world. This guy's, I mean, me too, with the exception oh. of I've had to buy a couple of them. Uh, oh, okay, right. I've, you know, females in my life. Oh, yeah. So, uh, anyways, yeah, that guy just sold... Uh, his his private jet, and he was like, "Yeah, well, now I don't have to be tracked, so now I'll just charter one every time." Oh yeah, and it's like you could have charter one before, right? You literally had so much money, it was like, "Eh, I'll just keep a private jet on hand," even though, right? True, like that is that that's a needless expense, really. Um, but I guarantee what that was was that was a business write off for. You know, oh yeah, taxes. true enough. Yeah, for taxes. That's right? where a lot of that money gets soaked up. The government sees it, and the problem is, they go, "Oh, all right, well, we're seeing wealth increase, and really, it's just numbers in a computer at this point. Right? You yeah. couldn't possibly print all of the money. Oh no, that's exactly right. Oh yeah, it's just an idea. Right. That's of not, that's that's in a, in a computer. Right. So they're seeing these numbers get higher and higher and higher, and they're like, "All right, well, there's more money in the system. We need to raise taxes." And as they do that. 
the lower class gets left behind. Yeah, they do, yeah. Their numbers don't go up. That's right. At all. Because these people I don't I don't know, I guess they, they don't know what to do with all that money. Have yeah. you have you tried giving everybody a raise like you could live off just a billion? You don't need 132 billion. I'm not one of them people that's like it's super entitled to anybody else's money, okay? Yeah. They, whatever. I don't care if you got 10 billion, right? That great. You worked for it. You did something for it. Mm. I I don't want to do what you did. We've talked about this before. But Right. Why are you not putting that to some sort of use? Like the guy with two million dollars that you were talking about just yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I don't know. How about you pay off your house, your cars, and you you know, right? Make some sort of plan for the future. Oh yeah, no, sir, absolutely. Know, look at the market right now, where it could be headed. Anything but get on a message board. Like if right, like I. The sad thing is, I know that guy wasn't just bragging, because he's got like friends he could brag to. In person. Right, in person, and, right? And get his ego scratched that way. Yeah, exactly. So this guy, this is like a legitimate problem to this idiot. Exactly. The, Shut it, up! It really was. It was a legitimate problem. Like, you know? what, are you looking for suggestions? Yeah, and you know, I think, I think honestly, he was probably, look, he was looking for the, the feeling of emptiness that comes at the end of this process. I think for him, the attainment of the thing was, that was the actual, that was the actual what he was trying to do. I you see know? what you're saying. You know, the attainment. So if I, if my goal is to go out and shoot a grizzly bear and that is, that's exactly what I want out of life. And that's it. That's then, the end all be all. Yep. Yeah. That's the end all be all of my experience. Then I can spend a lot of time and I can invest a lot of my life into that pursuit. But once I shoot the grizzly bear between the eyes and I got this like, yep. you know, 700 pound grizzly bear sitting at my feet bleeding to death, then I got to do something with all that. Make a know? rug. Yeah, I gotta drag it out the, the I gotta drag it out the forest. <laughs> I gotta do something with it, you know. So yeah. like there's that whole process. That not that isn't really part of your dream. Like having to gut the grizzly bear is not part of the dream, you know. It's the pursuit <laughs> of the dream. <laughs> no, I can tell you gutting the animal is not not part of the dream. No, no, not really part of the dream. Not really what's keeping you up at night. You, so you do take that into account though before you take the shot. Do you? You probably do. Probably you, you do. You're like, oh, I'm going to have to clean this. Okay. Oh, well, yeah. I, I like venison. Probably, yeah, right. No <laughs> doubt. So you're like, before you, you hit that trigger, right? Yep. Yeah. I know what's coming. That's right. Gross. No doubt. <laughs> That's. I'll tell you what, I got knowledge of the thing. You, you got knowledge of the thing. You do. I, oh, I, I do got knowledge of the oh, thing. Oh, that's it. Yeah, knowledge of the thing, all right? Instead of having knowledge, you know, of the thing. Knowledge yeah. of. I, I have knowledge of, of doing the thing. Mm. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yuck. No thanks. Man. No thanks, man. I don't know where that guy was. Two two million like should have got his email address for me. I got a couple suggestions. Well, yeah, no, I'm sure. I, I think that um you know, we don't do enough. Th- there are a lot of people that do uh that do things like I, I heard one time a guy who owned a bunch of furniture stores and um he uh he became very wealthy through these furniture stores that he, he owned. Mm-hmm. And he um he ended up, you know, become. Uh, he ended up starting a, an organization that worked with young people in terms of teaching them skills and, you know, uh, carpentry skills and mm-hmm. plumbing skills and, like those sorts of things. I don't know why I don't incentivize those sorts of things more. You know, hmm. I don't know. Probably because it'd be good for society. Probably, right? <laughs> probably, <laughs> probably. Oh, I'm just good. keeping it positive over here. Today. You got it. You got it. <laughs> All right, well, ladies and gentlemen, we have uh, we have reached the end of our book. This is pretty incredible. Uh, Notes from Underground. It feels like we've been doing this a long time. It's pretty great. One more chapter to go. One more chapter, chapter number ten. So that should be very exciting. Yep. 
All right. Well, very good. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we will join you next time on the Bundaground Railroad, where we will get to chapter number 10, the last chapter in our flagship book here, Notes from Underground. Thank you for joining Tom and Steve on the Blunderground Railroad. Join us next time as we seek to travel from ignorance to knowledge. And check out their other podcasts, Notes from Blunderground and the Digital Blunderground. See you next time.